the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We must embrace Jesus for who he is, the Savior. That was God's plan from all the way in the beginning. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Today, we pick up in our study in John chapter 8 in a message titled, Missing the Point, Part 2. Don't ever fear death, because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, he says, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Because the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law of God. Why? When we sin, the law is what calls us guilty. So when God, through Moses, had him write the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law of God, the first five books of the Bible, there's not just the Ten Commandments there. Oh, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's 613 laws in the commandments. Okay, so 613 laws that if you break, you can feel guilty. You can feel ashamed of. See, those are the things that the law says that's what gives sin power. Because when you die in your sin, there's a book that God has written and you are his creation and you will stand before him and he can refer back and say, you broke the law here, broke the law here, broke the law here. More places than you could ever imagine. Most people cannot even recite the Ten Commandments, let alone 613 of them. So imagine how guilty people are. But for the believer, for the Christian, for the one who's embraced Christ as their Savior, it says, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, thanks be to God. He's given us victory. Jesus died on the cross and bore our sin on his body so we could be forgiven. I like how Jesus put it in verse 36. He says, if therefore the son shall make you free, then you will be free indeed. Oh, yes. And how did these leaders respond to that? Well, they responded with, well, Abraham is our father. So Jesus said to them, well, then do the works of Abraham. Well, what are the works of Abraham? Abraham simply believed God. He was the father of our faith. The Bible says that Abraham believed God, and because he believed God, it was counted unto him as righteousness or right standings with God. Abraham demonstrated his faith by his obedience to God. Yet these leaders, they don't even have any clue who God is. That's why Jesus makes two references to these leaders doing the deeds of their true father. What Jesus was saying is this, your true father is not Abraham. It's not the God of the Bible. 
guess what? It's the devil. And Jesus said it blatantly, if you look at verse 44, where he says, you are of your father, the devil. Yes, these guys didn't get it. They had no clue what they were doing. And in their desperation, they tried to discount Jesus' words by attacking his personal integrity, by attacking his own mother. They went on a war page here about Mary as they go for the juggler vein, cutting deep as they cruelly insult him. Look again at what it said in verse 41. They said, at least we're not born of fornication. What they were essentially saying was, we know who you are, Jesus. We have traced you back to where you were born. And we know that your mother was nothing more than a two-bit hussy. We know that she became pregnant with you before she got married. And that stepdad of yours, Joseph, he only married her out of mercy. It was a mercy wedding to keep her from getting stoned to death. Wow, this right here is why I'm not God. Because I just would have said, see that lightning bolt? Ah, boom. Man, this just would have been a pile of ashes right there. You're done. I said, okay, next question. I mean, it's like this is why I'm not God. How sad though. These religious leaders, these are the ones who are supposed to be God's spokesmen. The ones who are supposed to know God's word. Yet they have not only neglected the word of God. They are massively resisting the word of God. Every one of these guys had this verse memorized, Isaiah 7, 14. Why? Because it was talking about the coming of the Messiah. How would he come in Isaiah 7, 14? Which is again coming off of Genesis 3, 15. It said that the Messiah would be born through a virgin girl that had no sexual intercourse with any man and that he would be born and his name would be called Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. They knew the meaning of that verse. So yes, absolutely, Mary did get pregnant before she was married, but not by a man. The Holy Spirit came on her because that was the predetermined plan of God. Yes, Mary, the virgin girl from Nazareth, conceived and gave birth to the Messiah, Savior, Jesus. He is the Savior of the world. And now these stone-hearted, callous leaders of the day are calling Jesus illegitimate. They're calling his mother a hussy. Yet notice Jesus, unlike me, acts as if he didn't even hear their insult. And he just carries on with the conversation as he continues trying to reason with these hard-hearted people. Listen to what he says in verse 43. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? Is it because you cannot hear my word? I wonder if that's not the number one reason why people don't believe today. They don't hear the word. Why? Well, it could be for many reasons. Number one, because many pastors today have chosen to water down the truth. How do they water it down? By only preaching what people want to hear, meaning they only preach half of the truth of the word of God. Maybe number two, it's because many pastors have become so politically correct, they have simply removed the power from the gospel by embracing only what sounds good instead of what people really need to hear. But number three, it's also the people's fault. 
Because we're all given the word of God. We all have Bibles and we can all read it for ourselves. And people that support these ministries that water down the word, they have abandoned the teaching of the truth. For these are the people who go to church and they say, I only desire to hear positive things, pastor. I will not receive anything negative into my life. Trust me, I get a lot of emails from people that say, you know, I came to church today and you were talking about some sin. I can't believe you did that. When I go to church, it's in the email, I want to go to feel good, not to feel bad. And it's just like, well, first of all, did you hear the whole message? Because the good came after the bad. But anyway, I just think to myself, bless this subtraction. Don't come back then, because that's not who we want at this church. I only want people that want to hear the truth. It's like, because if you don't want to hear the truth, why would you come here? Because it's so important. Know this, the Bible is truth. And the truth is what reveals sin in our lives. Let's not forget, forget this. Sin severs our relationship with God. Why do we teach the wholeness of the word of God? Because I want you to not have a severing of your relationship with God. I need it in my life. Because the Bible tells us when we embrace sin in our lives, the Bible says in Psalm 66, 18, if I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So listen. But let's just redefine this real quick. If you're struggling with a sin in your life and you're, you're battling with this thing all the time, God is hearing your prayers. He's hearing everything about you because you're in the battle of this thing. You hate this thing. It, it takes you down sometimes. Oh, I got knocked down in that round, but I'm getting back up. And look, the Lord is hearing your prayers and your cry for help on that area of your life. What he's talking about is the person who just says, you know what? I know this is wrong, but I'm doing it anyway. It's what I want to do, and I don't care. It's like, I've, you know, I'll submit to God in other areas, but I'm not submitting in this area, and you know what's wrong. God says, I don't hear you. I don't hear you anymore. When you talk to me, I don't hear you. None of it. Because you have just said, I'm throwing up the white flag here. I'm going to live in this sin, and I don't care what the Bible says. It's just like the people in Jeremiah's day. In Jeremiah 5.23, it says, But this people, they have a stubborn and a rebellious heart. And they do not say in their heart, Let us fear the Lord our God. They don't say that, because their iniquities have turned themselves away, and their sins have withheld good from you. Wow. God says, you know, when you live in sin, it's withholding good from you. If you're just embracing a sin and you're living in that sin with no desire to repent, God says, I have so much good to pour in your life, but you don't get any. You don't get the goodness of God. Don't we want the goodness of God? That's why we have to battle against these areas that want to strip us away from the Lord and sever our relationship. Yes, someone can preach about nothing but blessings all they want. They can tell us how wonderful we are every time we come to church. You're just so wonderful that God loves us despite whatever lifestyle you're living in. But know this, there's always a price to pay for living in sin. And God, through his holy word, will always tell those who have ears to hear, he will always tell them the truth. That we need to turn away from that which he has declared as sin. And we must repent. That We should confess our sin before him. Don't ever forget, having ears to hear the truth of God's word, it might not be what you want to hear, but it will always, always be what we need to hear to be set free. So if you want to be set free, listen to the truth of God's word. Jesus talked about this in John 3.20. He says, for everyone who does evil, they hate the light. And they don't come to the light. Why? Least their deeds should be exposed. 
So if you want to live in sin, you don't want to go to a church like this because we're going to expose those things. You don't want to be exposed. You just want to come in, be blessed, and go. But the Word of God will always expose sin. Always. And that's what we see in our culture here today. People who've embraced everything but the truth. From thinking our elected officials will somehow solve all the deep problems in our world or all the things that are going wrong all the way to our very origin. Look how many people you know, have accepted evolution as fact in our world today. That we all came from some sort of an explosion. Scientists now have moved the date all the way back to 13.7 billion years ago. Think about that. NASA said the big bang, the big explosion happened 13.7 billion years ago. When I first became an evolutionist in the seventh grade, and all my great knowledge of seventh grader, anyway, in seventh and eighth grade, they were saying that the origin of man happened somewhere between 30 and 60 million years ago. But in all these years since then, they have kicked that date back all the way to 13.7 billion years. Why? Because if we're going to be created out of nothing, if we're just going to be out of nothing, it's going to take a heck of a long time for this to happen. So that's why they've kicked the date back. And somehow out of helium, out of that big bang explosion, helium, hydrogen, and lithium, life somehow created itself. And though, you know, and through random mutations and natural selection, it just happened. We just became humans. We eventually evolved into what we are today. And what a coincidence, by the way, that through all those billions of years, at the very same time, at the very same moment, while one of us was being created as a male, oh, gee, a female was happening at the very same time so that we could reproduce at the very same time. Yes, people will embrace that which is nothing more than a theory. The theory of evolution, let's remember a theory according to the dictionary means a mental viewing, a speculative idea. It's how something might have happened. Newsflash, evolution, though taught as fact, is a theory. It is a theory, a speculative idea, yet God has given us truth. And God claims sovereignty over every single thing in this world along with you and me. He says, I am the creator. I have created man and woman in my image. I breathe life into them. Yes, God created all that is seen and unseen and everything that is still unknown. He made it all. Maybe it's easier for some to escape from the reality of a divine creator because when we embrace truth, we are now accountable to that creator. We are now accountable for what we do. Yet if we embrace that we all came from monkeys, that we all just evolved out of nothing, then people can call their own shots. They're not accountable to a creator God. They can do as they please and not have to answer to anyone, at least they think so. Yet the Bible says we've all sinned, and guess what? Everybody knows it. Because why? We all feel guilty at times when we do things that are wrong. Now, why is that? Because God created us with a conscience. And so we know right from wrong because it's inside of us. We can't deny it. If we were just some evolutionary you know, process, then why aren't we just like the animal kingdom? You know, do you think, you know, I've watched these animal shows all the time and I've watched, you know, in the Serengeti and there's a wildebeest and she's going into labor and she 
boom, pops out the little baby wildebeest. And the little baby wildebeest is like, oh, wow, what's going on? And he's got his legs. And, you know, because he's got to run with the herd in like five minutes. He's got, he's got to be up and going. Like, you don't have any time to sit around, okay? So the wildebeest is trying to get up. And I was watching it one time, and this lion comes whooping in and boom, it just scarfs his baby. And you're like, no, the baby. You know, and that lion just whoops it down. Do you think the lion's feeling guilty about that? Not at all. He's like, man, it's like hot right out of the oven. This is great. You know, it's like he's loving life. See, he doesn't have a conscience that tells him that it was wrong. He's just like, man, it's just another dinner, man. That's it. But see, we, when we do something wrong, we feel guilty. Why? Because you're not part of the animal kingdom. You're not part of some evolutionary process. You were created in the image of God. And the Bible says there'll be a judgment in the end and we'll stand before God. But that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to bear your sin and my sin on his body. He paid the penalty to the law. We can be forgiven. We can have great purpose. That's why nothing else satisfies in this life. But yet you can have purpose. You can be used by God. There's a reason that you're alive today. But getting back to our text, first they insult Jesus on being born out of wedlock. Then in verse 48, they insult and they accuse Jesus of being a Samaritan. The Jews hated the the Samaritans. They were considered half-breeds because some of the Jewish men, they intermarried with non-believing pagan women. And so they they tainted the, the bloodline of being Jews. So they hated the Samaritans. Then they went on in verse 48 and they said that Jesus was demon possessed. Well, finally, Jesus had enough with these wicked insults for he was not illegitimate. Jesus was not a Samaritan, and obviously he wasn't demon-possessed. But now Jesus cuts to the chase with these religious leaders on who he really is. And since they're so caught up with claiming to be the sons of Abraham, Jesus now drops on them a huge bombshell of truth. Let's look at our third and final point, accepting truth, as we read, picking up in verse 56. Jesus looked into the eyes of these religious leaders and he says, your father, Abraham, rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and he was glad. And so the Jews said to him, you're not even 50 years old and you have seen Abraham since Abraham was from a few thousand years ago. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, verily, verily, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Wow. Wow. Know this, Christian, we must accept this un, just radical truth that Jesus lays on the line right here, because this is who Jesus claimed to be. Jesus said, Abraham, to these men, whom you call your father, he longed to see my day, and guess what? He saw me, which they responded. What were you talking about? You're not even 50 years old. Yeah, we'll go back to Genesis 18. God came down in a human body and talked to Abraham. That was the theophany. That was Jesus before Jesus was ever born. And he came down in a human body who Abraham worshiped and called him Lord. And he said to him, hey, next year this time, Abraham, because you believe me that your descendants are going to outnumber the stars of the sky, you're going to have a baby. Uh, I'm 99 years old. You're going to have a baby next year. His wife was 89 years old at the time. And she started laughing like, right, like I haven't had a baby my whole life. I'm going to have one at 89. Well, guess what? She laughed. 
But next year, she had a baby. Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was 90 years old. And she birthed a baby out of her womb. And they called him Isaac. And you trace that lineage all the way down. Genealogy, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Down through Judah. All the way down through Solomon and Boaz. And Jesse and David and, 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 and Solomon. All the way down to the birth of Jesus Christ. Yes, his descendants all the way down to the end. Understand, there is no mistaking what Jesus was was saying here in verse 58 he said truly truly verily verily now hear this it means listen up most assuredly before abraham came out of his mother's womb i am What Jesus was saying is, he was saying, I am the God of the Old Testament. I am so much more than just the Son of God. He says, I am God. Yes, I've seen many cults, and I've talked to many cults that try to explain this verse away because it doesn't fit their narrative of Jehovah's Witness that claim that Jesus was Michael the Archangel, and they'll try to explain this away saying, well, Jesus meant, I am me, the Son. Uh, What? That's not what he said. See, what Jesus said was, I am. This is a direct reference to Exodus 3.14, which all of these religious leaders were very well versed in. This is where God had called Moses on the mountain of God to deliver the people from uh, Egypt. And he was speaking to Moses through a burning bush that was blazing with fire, but yet it wasn't, on, it wasn't burning up. And Moses says, well, wait a second, I'm talking to this burning bush. Who do I say sent me? I can't just go waltzing in to Egypt and go up to the most powerful nation on the face of the earth and say to Pharaoh, you know, hey guys, guess what? You know, I was on top of this mountain talking to a bush that was on fire and the bush said for me to tell you to let the Hebrew slaves go free. Pharaoh's going to look at me. Were you bong in the bush? I mean, come on. I mean, are you serious? I mean, it's like, what are you talking about? So Moses asked God, who do I say sent me when I go to Pharaoh? And in Exodus 3.14, it says, I am that I am. Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent you. Wow. Oh my goodness. Yes, there was no mistaking what Jesus Christ was saying to these religious leaders. And it was completely obvious to them also that Jesus claimed to be the one and the only I am. Because in the very next verse, look how they respond in verse 59. They picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid him because it wasn't his time yet. Now, why did they want to stone him to death? Because that would be claiming to be God and it would be blasphemy unless, of course, you're God. Now, see, if anyone else gets that, it would be like blasphemy and it's punishable by death. And they were just responding to what Moses had wrote in the Torah, the law of God in Leviticus 24, 16, that says, moreover, the one who blasphemes the name of the Lord shall be put to death and all the congregation shall certainly stone him. But Jesus was God, and he claimed to be God in the flesh. And we must accept this truth. We must embrace Jesus for who he is, the Savior. That was God's plan from all the way in the beginning. The creator would come down and die for his own creation. That's why God said in Isaiah 43, 10, some 780 years before this conversation they're having here, he says, before me, there was no God formed. There'll be no God after me. I, even I am the Lord and there is no savior besides me. He goes, I'm the savior. I'm the one that's going to come down. I'm going to lay my life down for my people. 
Yes, it's obvious that these religious leaders, they missed the point. They didn't get it. But what does this mean to you and to me today? It means everything to us here today. To the believer, this reaffirms that we are the conduit, that we are the the vessel that God has chosen to reveal this message to a world that's living in darkness around us. We're the ones to share this message. And to the non-believer, you must come to know Jesus. You must come to know Christ today, on this day. Don't let it go another day. Why? Because look again what Jesus said in verse 24. He says, I said therefore to you, that you shall die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Wow. He says, this is the facts. This is the bottom line. If you don't believe that I am who I claim to be, that I came for one reason, to die for the sin of humanity. He's like, if you don't believe this, you will die in your sins. You will be separated from God for all eternity. That is, is the message of Christianity. It's a message of great hope because we have an opportunity to stand in the gap for people today. We can be that bridge that helps woo people across and say, this is who Jesus claimed to be. He wasn't just some wonderful little guru. He wasn't just some wonderful little man. Oh, you know, live like me and be a nice little people. No, he came to be the suffering savior who was bludgeoned to death. He was the one who died in Isaiah 53 for the sins of the people. He was the one that was a lamb that would be cut to pieces and slaughtered for the sin of his people. That's all the time we have for our message, but please join us next time as we continue our study in the Gospel of John. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, Download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word that's Core Church LA to 77977. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.